grandfather tell me how it was when you were young Was the world so very old when your life had just begun Oh, grandfather, tell me, is it true you worked the land And the tools that you used you made with your own hands Before time was only money and machines made man slave Was the world all milk and honey before all the streets were paid All right, welcome to Living Permaculture Welcome to the Living Permaculture Show on Public Radio Katie and Kay. This is Stephanie Sison here live in the studio with Jerome Ossentowski and uh, the familiar Adrian Fielder for our listeners out there. I just flew back into the valley a few days ago uh, from the Puerto Rican paradise and now here in this mountain paradise. I feel so fortunate uh, to be here with you fine gentlemen and our community and joining in on Jerome's 37th? Yeah, the 37th year of, of the Permaculture Design course, And it's a bit, a bit of a moving target this year. Since we couldn't do it at, at my facility, we were geared up to do it at uh, Roger and Jim's at Salt Mountain Bellings, and at the last minute we had to pull out of there. And uh, Rose and Brooke uh, were kind enough to uh, let us do it the permaculture class at at Susky. Right, so we're out at Sustainable Settings here in Carbondale, uh, who graciously at the very last minute agreed to host this amazing course. And for those of our listeners out there, um, you've been hearing Jerome talk about permaculture for a long time, but for anyone who's just turning tuning in, what is a PDC? What is a permaculture design course? Well, you know... Um, it's a design process. We're looking at all the, the landscape and the gardens and energy, and we're designing sustainable systems. That's ba- basically, uh, I like to think about it as you drive in the state of Maine, and uh, there's a billboard, and it says, the way it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my, you know, my short definition of permaculture. I've been doing it. You have to tell them, come and do the class if you really want to know the whole definition. But yeah. and actually, what I'm thinking is that um, we just finished the rainbow gathering, you know, in, in Colorado, up at Steamboat area. And one of my volunteers was up there, and he was, you know, promoting Crimpy there. And uh, I, what we're actually doing here is a little mini rainbow gathering over at Sustainable Settings or the Permaculture Twist. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, we create community with these, uh, with these uh, uh, classes. You know. Sure. And we have 27 students mm-hmm. this year from all across the country that have driven or flown or bussed or trained to bring themselves out here to the valley to learn about permaculture, to learn about all the things that Jerome has been demonstrating here for 40 years or so, uh, the longest-running permaculture course in the country that we know of. Um, in the world. In the world. Yeah, and I'm not allowed to do it in my place anymore. Right, so that's. Uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about why is it at Sustainable Settings and not at your place. Well, because of zoning uh, and the county planning department does not want to give us the uh, educational agricultural zoning that we need to do that. And we've been going on, it's almost four years now, and we're 
the last two years we've spent probably $75,000 in fees and planning fees and uh, we haven't gotten anywhere. We're coming up to where we've been tabled twice uh, in meetings on technicalities or people in the planning department quit or got fired. And there's a lot of mayhem going on in the planning department. And they they say it's, uh, you know, staff shortages, but there's something deeper going on there. And they just basically don't want this message getting out to the world. I think that's the main thing. We got... Uh, because we've met all of their needs uh, in our special use permit, we've had to print it three times uh, because it changes every time they give us a new planner. So we're uh, we're having a meeting on uh, Thursday. We're hoping to have you know, a lot of uh, uh, we had about 35 people come to the last meeting that they tabled on us uh, a couple of weeks ago. So we're hoping to have another 30 or 40 people show up at the meeting. Uh, you know, these are very you know, procedural things, are very boring, and hopefully we'll be able to, um, you know, people will be able to talk in, uh, in support of Crimpy. Uh, that's, that's our goal. We're, you know, we're, we're trying to com- meet all of their needs. Um, that there at some point, uh, it may not work out. They may deny us. And uh, that's um, 81 years old. I've been doing this all my life. I've created this amazing demonstration farm that I make money. I make $80,000 a year. I pay you. I pay him. We pay a lot of. We bring a lot of uh, economic value to the valley, and so they're going to tell me that I can't teach agriculture on my property because of the zoning. Thousands, thousands of students have come through yeah. your site. Some of the uh, most published and well-known permaculture, sustainable agriculture uh, names have been through your site, inspired by your site, got their start as an intern at your site. It's really quite amazing. And I know I'm really happy to be here to go to that meeting and speak in support of you and how you've changed my life and all the people that I've seen uh, come through that facility and that beautiful um, demonstration site over the last 10 years is, has been just so inspiring for my personal life and, and for everyone I've seen. And Adrian is here as well. He has the um, same story. And we have all these primpy girls in, in the valley. We have Natalie Ray, who um, you know, has built a lot of social capital. Um, you know, and uh, you know, um, Rainbow Gathering and our, our little class uh, Carbondale's not, you know, f- unfamiliar with festivals. I mean, this town is about festivals. You know. We have Potato Days, Rainbow, uh, the Dandelion Days. We have uh, First Friday. We have the Rodeo. We Mountain have Fair. Mountain up. Fair. Okay, so we have <laughs> all of these festivals. Yeah, and we, festivals. Uh, People and we come need- from all around the country and the world to attend these festivals. And those students that you were just talking about, who come to crimpy permaculture courses, they come from around the world and they yeah. are out there. Those who have learned from crimpy and gone to do their own thing are out around the world doing that thing. Yeah. I had the great pleasure of spending the afternoon with some youth from the Andy Zanka youth empowerment program, summer camp. And they got a chance to walk around our town and see some of the public parks that have been planted over the years. And 
I was telling them what I was going to do afterwards, later in the afternoon, and I mentioned to them uh, the problem that Jerome was encountering with the county, and they they said, you know, what what's the problem? And I had to think, like, okay, so how to explain this to, like, a, a group of 8 to 12-year-olds and I said, well, basically, and this is true. We can give more more detail Native Americans about about the zoning, but uh, literally, what it comes down to in terms of the legal re- requirement that they're putting on you is they're saying that you don't have the right to provide an educational service on your property. Right. And one of the kids heard that and said, "Why would anybody do that? Isn't education a good thing?" And I said. That's a really good point. You know, I think I'm probably going to ask that of the commissioners. Why would anybody take a world-famous educational opportunity that has drawn people in, many of whom stay and make the valley better, many of whom go elsewhere and take the knowledge as knowledge is want to do to multiply and spread out and go do its healing of the world all around the place? Why would anybody want to stop that? It doesn't make much sense. Well, we haven't figured it out yet, and uh, we haven't. We don't know what their agenda is, you know. And it can't. It's got to be more than, you know, planning. Uh, you know, they won't give us the category that we need. They're trying to force us into a category that we don't. We don't fit into. And, and my planner is going to argue that we need to have the. I'm I'm zoned agriculture. I've been farming and selling products there for forty years. Uh, I pay taxes, I pay land taxes, I'm zoned agricultural, I pay sales tax on all my produce, I, you know, and I, I pay road associations, I pay land tax. And the strangest thing, Jerome, that I learned from this process is that if your property was 35 acres, you would have every right to do this educational service on your property. But because you only have eight acres, they're giving you a hard time. So it's not just a problem with the category. Even the category that you're in, they would have no problem at all with what you're doing if it were bigger. I'm not sure about that because we tried to do our class up at my neighbor's. They have two 35-acre parcels. And there was one neighbor that wasn't even a landlord that had a problem with them putting up a hoop house and having campsites on food yeah. for you. So again, they would call, they would call the county, and then the county would have to inspect them. So you know, it's not, it's well, not. A I understand g- why they didn't want to cause trouble with the neighbors, and yeah. that's totally legit. But um, if if the county were called in, if they had more than thirty-five acres and were zoned agricultural, there would be no problem. You're zoned agricultural, but because you're not at thirty-five. They're giving you a, a problem with this. And that's an excuse to to make you know do the control for the most it might part. Very well be. Yeah, yeah. But in, maybe reeks maybe that. there's a good opportunity to to uh, to, to do a little reading here. Um, oh, well, Jerome picked this out from uh, Hunter S. Thompson. This is uh, from uh, an essay he wrote during the uh, McGovern Nixon race in '72, um, and we're just going to read you the first paragraph. Um, but but there is there is a, from the top, I think. there is a, a prologue that uh, includes a quote from Chief Sitting Bull uh, speaking at the Powder River Conference in 1877. Chief Sitting Bull said, "Hear me, people. 
We have now to deal with another race, small and feeble when our fathers first met them, but now great and overbearing. Strangely enough, they have a mind to till the soil, and the love of possession is a disease with them. These people have made many rules that the rich may break, but the poor may not. They take their tithes from the poor and weak to support the rich and those who rule. That was Chief Sitting Bull. HST goes on to say, If George McGovern had a speechwriter half as eloquent as Sitting Bull, he would be home free today. Instead of 22 points behind and racing around the country with both feet in his mouth. The Powder River Conference ended 95 years ago, but the old chief's baleful analysis of the white man's rape of the American continent was just as accurate then as it would be today if he came back from the dead and said it for the microphones on primetime TV. The ugly fallout from the American dream has been coming down on us at a pretty consistent rate since setting Bull's time. And the only real difference now, with Election Day 72 only a few weeks away, is that we seem to be on the verge of ratifying the fallout and forgetting the dream itself. Yes. Yeah, and we're, uh, we're teaching the dream of how to go forward, mm. uh, you know, in a sustainable way. And uh, my demonstration farm is uh, one of the most advanced and oldest and productive uh, forest garden and greenhouse operation in, in, in the United States, in the world, at 7,200 feet. And it, I, I'm not allowed to show anybody that. Mm. Well, and in this time that where <laughs> you can't turn on the news without hearing about food shortages mm-hmm. and you go to the store and your food prices are going up so fast mm. and your gasoline at the pump is so high which a lot of agriculture relies on these large tractors to get things done and to it's so timely what you're teaching it's been timely the whole time you've been teaching it but but right now yeah. wow this these 27 students are hungry for this information they want to take the inspiration of what you've done and the lessons that you've learned and you're offering them and they want to change their lives and they want to provide for their family good food for their community in a time when we need it more than ever. That's a great point. We don't need to shut this down. We need to replicate it. Yeah, and it's not just the tractors. The entire Mm. system of modern industrial agriculture completely depends on the fossil subsidy that is provided to the modern economy by fossil fuels. We're talking at every stage of the process, the chemicals that they grow, mm. including the anhydrous ammonia the, that is incredibly energy intensive to produce that liquid nitrogen, not to mention all the herbicides, all this getting washed downstream, Right. This entire thing, this entire system would not be profitable if it were not for the fact that fossil fuels are underwriting it. So we have an enlightened community. We have an enlightened uh, set of county commissioners. In fact, they commissioned 
a whole plan for Eagle County. He's one of the only ones in the state that is all about what are we going to do with climate change. In particular, they've been moving away from fossil fuels for their power source for a long time, and they, they, they really are a leader in that regard. We, we should laud them for that. That's awesome. But not just that. They have a community resiliency plan which recognizes that climate change is already happening and that we have to start adapting to it. And they mentioned several things that they want to be doing over the next few decades that guess what? Permaculture has been doing for decades. And if you count the indigenous knowledge that permaculture comes from, many thousands of years beyond that. So what are these things? They're talking about um, doing things like wildfire mitigation, food forest anybody Mm -hmm. jerome during the basalt fire your place did not burn well that wasn't uh that was another source altogether but i have two acres of wildlife and fire break and pollinator gardens that protects my my house and um it also is, is a wildlife corridor so i've actually taken uh the dead limbs and put them on contour and then swaled. They swaled so that, and then I planted all of that with green stuff and it, and actually I've water. So I've greened up that area and you so know. You've, you know, you've rehydrated the landscape. Yeah, and you know, you. When, you know, there's been a lot of houses that get saved just by turning the sprinklers on their lawns. Yeah. So I've got two acres. Uh, I've, got, I've got roads. I've got two ponds. I have a. 2,000 gallon tank that I can use and, and, and provide for the fire department. And let me so. guess the snow pack probably melts later in your food forest than it does in the surrounding area. We don't get much snow anymore because of climate change, but we don't really get much snow. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, but that, that was whatever. a softball pitch. Jerome. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to say, yeah, it actually does. No, whatever, <laughs> whatever moisture is there stays in the ground longer. Absolutely. There's a lot of organic mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. And on all the debris doesn't wash away. Like if you look at all the hillsides around here, nothing stays on the landscape. Right. Because it's pinion and juniper have nothing to, it, none of the soil ever, I, I'm building soil by just collecting the needles, the pond cones, just with, I call them Polish soils. And then that's what my students build, and they learn how to set them up. And, and you can have, say that because you're Polish. Yeah, I can say <laughs> that. I'm, yeah, I'm a Polish. Yeah, I can tell. It. So can another thing that this community resiliency plan talks about is the importance of uh, economic diversification for the county and for our area is to have a lot of different kinds of economies. Yeah. Um, this is something I think you, you could both speak to because you're, you are both really adept at creating that diversification. Well, livelihoods. That's what we created permaculture projects. We create livelihoods. I have a nursery, an edible landscape nursery. I've actually spawned another nursery woman, Vanessa Harmony, trained her. She now has a nursery here in the valley. Then uh, uh, we have uh, an, an herbal business. Uh, Stephanie has an herbal business as well. So we sell tinctures and salves. Uh, we sell uh, produce. We sell perennial vegetables. Uh, I have several restaurant accounts. It still, I had 20 back in the 90s and uh, eight, late 80s and 90s, I had 20 restaurants accounts. I basically did all, all the, you know, the farmer's market in Aspen and had um, all of that. Now we're all 
perennial food forests, which, and, and, and we do greenhouse design consulting with my partner, Michael Thompson. Uh, so we, we teach greenhouse design and design greenhouses, sustainable greenhouses all over the world as from the models that we've created at Crimpy. You know, you, you, you create a lot of agricultural products there, um, but right now, with the fossil subsidy of the modern economy, it's really difficult for you to make a living just on selling your products alone. You need other forms of revenue. And as we know, folks, and as we love about Colorado small-scale farms, sustainable farms, they do all kinds of other things to help them get by. They do things like, yeah, yeah agro agrotourism or um, hosting weddings, um, farm-to-table dinners, anybody. Um, you don't get to do all of that up there, but you do get to have these courses, and that's your way of, pro- of making this a sustainable economic model. No, I model. don't get to do them anymore. But right, right I, now. I, I, did, <laughs> exactly. I did for yeah. 35 Well, they're, they're trying to take that piece yeah. of your livelihood away. I don't think they want to. I got to imagine the good in people. I think this is a zoning thing where they got to look good on paper or whatever. Uh, but let's give them the opportunity to understand better what you're doing up there. Right. And how it really does align with their goals. I mean, the county wants us to get ready for post-climate change because they recognize us here. Well, the Pitkin County commissioners all know me and support me. They'll, a couple of them will be at the meeting. So, you know, in the, Pitkin County is light years ahead of Eagle County as far as providing land for farmers. You know, that the open space land that they've given. And I've helped mentor most of those farmers, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, we have, you know, I think you have 20 pe- young farmers at the meeting last fall. And it was in the Edible Aspen magazine, a great article about it, how Pitkin County has taken, and Eagle has chipped in a little bit, uh, given the land to young farmers, actually built facilities on them, give them funding. Uh, and then uh, you know, Two Forks Club has uh, given a lot of interest-free loans to get them started. So it's mm-hmm. amazing what we've done in the Roaring Fork Valley. Uh, and Eagle County really hasn't had much input on that because they're over in Vail. They're not really focused on, on the Roaring Fork. Yeah, they, they haven't done that stuff yet as much. Yeah. Um, but I do want to laud them for their work on affordable housing. They're making some really good headway on that. And it gets back to this idea that they recognize that no region can get by without the full spectrum of the socioeconomic status. So you know what, what? How how are you going to have a tourism economy without workers? That includes workers in the restaurants. That includes workers growing the food, right. as well. Yeah, mm. and growing and coming up with new innovative ways of of growing food. Like I've come up with this new interesting uh, way of raising rabbits. Uh, you know, I get almost all the feed from recycled materials from the valley. I get the grain recycled grain from two breweries and I cut a lot of weeds and and uh, grasses and, and uh, trimmings from my uh, I do get some hay uh, but most of the time I'm cutting comfrey and I've got 70 rabbits and uh, we're eating uh, we just butchered uh, four seven of them for the class and we're having rabbit curry so we can actually create rabbits in a more immune way we have three different outdoor pens where they just kind of live 
like rabbits would live for the mm. most part. They hang around. They 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 live communally. They they lap over each other. They get in the shade of the sun, um, and they just have a good time. And then uh, we just break open a bale of hay, or when we're not uh, feeding them other stuff. And uh, I have ducks the same way. They you know, they're in the pond eating comfrey and duckweed and. Uh, we have pigeons and, and chickens. So we're bringing in carbon. We're bringing in recycled material or regenerating the food on site. Now, if you're going to grow raise chickens, broilers, you have to buy really expensive organic food. Now, it's like a. I just bought a, a bag of, I think it was like $50 for a bag of chicken star organic, okay? And if you're raising broilers, you're going to have to buy that food. If you're raising rabbits, you don't have to buy anything. Uh, you can figure out how not to buy anything because they're browsers. They're like geese. They just they eat grass. Geese eat grass. Rabbits can eat all the stuff that you find, yeah. like, like goats do. And the best part is people can do this in their backyard. Mm. Yes. And I know chefs around here who pay premium yeah, $30 for that stuff. And, and the manure that I get from their straw yard, I've been able to fertilize all my greenhouses, all my gardens with that manure, and, and, and set up my worm farms in the greenhouses with the, the stable cleanings from the rabbits. It's amazing. So you, it's full cycle. I also yeah. get the coffee grounds from the coffee shop, and I recycle that back into my worm farms. So this whole organic, I call it stream of consciousness gardening, uh, that just goes on. It's perennial gardening with animals integrated. And, and this it, ingenuity of design and, and what you do up at Crimpy on that mountain, that's, that's why these 27 people come from around the world why they're why just that's just who's here today and that's why they buy my book as well forest mm-hmm. garden greenhouse book right we, and we actually gave everybody a copy of the book uh, as a perk but i get people coming from all over the world buying my book reading it coming to crimpy and i'm not allowed to show them crimpy. and i want to emphasize the fact that the knowledge itself or the the concepts could easily teach over zoom these people pay thousands of dollars to come here to learn it on site because there's two things you can do on site that you just couldn't do on Zoom. One is be a demonstration farm. They can actually see the thing itself. See it, touch it, taste it. Touch it. it. Yeah, they're all from Missouri. Interact with it. They're all right? from Missouri. They want to show me a state. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but then the other part, which relates back to the zoning code, is that they're actually doing the work. They are doing hands-on stuff to, to learn the things that you're doing so they can do it back wherever they live. And that's why they also count as agricultural workers. So could you speak to that before we're done here? we got about a minute left. Um, well, wh- wh- what is the hands-on piece, and how, how are the students actually agricultural workers on site? Well, a, a, a year or so ago, one of the planners, uh, you know, they, first of all, they let me do the class. Then they said, okay, well, you can bring agricultural workers up and charge them, but you can't teach them. So <laughs> right now I, I bring people up. We're going to have people up one or two days at my place, but they're not going to be taking the class there. They're agricultural workers. So, but we actually learn while we're doing things, we're mulching, planting out, looking at the whole system. Uh, and that's how they're going to learn. So, uh, the meeting is at uh, 2.33 uh, on Thursday at the uh, Eagle County 
the courthouse. 